Hello, and thank you for downloading episode 61 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hey, if you enjoy the show and you want to help other people find it, a great way to do that is to go to iTunes, if that's where you listen, and rate and review us. Let other people know what you like about the show and why they should be listening. We really appreciate it, and it does help us find new listeners. Guys, I keep telling you this, I ain't lying. And now, without any further ado, episode 61 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle, once and for all, Best Stooge. That's right, don't worry everyone, we got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Hello, everybody. Hey, what's up? How are you, Hal? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, this is a very, very exciting episode uh, that we've got today. We have uh, we have a fantastic guest with us. Yes, yes and, we do. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite things. I've always been a, a classic comedy fan and a fan of uh, and of all things vintage and vaudeville. I yes. Know. That these guys played once at or several times at the Bijou Theater where I grew up, and yes. I, I I love these guys. And we have maybe the foremost expert in the United States, <laughs> maybe the foremost expert in the world in the universe. This is true. Um, today we're going to talk about the Three Stooges, and today we have as our guest. We are sitting in his home. He was gracious enough to open his doors to us. Yes. He's home for another week or so. Yes. Um, He's not getting kicked out. Don't Bottom line, me baby. Um, <laughs> I love the long drum roll, and yeah, I love yeah. all the things you Mark, said. I wouldn't have said those good. things, but I'm glad you can, did. Can I do it? Can I do it? Can you do it? Can I? Can I? Can I do the intro? Is it okay? Oh, I, I have to say this. I've got, right. We did Thrilling Adventure Hour together for ten years. There are two people. We've had amazing people do the show. Two people that I had trouble speaking to because I'm such a huge <laughs> fan of their work that I became nervous and flustered. One was Weird Al Yankovic. The other is our guest today, Billy West. Oh my God, what I know about him! This is uh, not Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're, I, we just want you to talk about Weird Al. Um, so everyone uh, knows you as uh, legendary uh, uh, cartoon uh, voice actor, but we're here to talk about uh, the Three Stooges State. Give us your CV. Why? Why should we talk to you? What do you? What do you have to bring to the world of the Three Stooges? You know these guys inside now, yes? Tons. I have tons of arcane knowledge. Uh, just periphery of of all things Stooges, and that's why the Farrelly brothers uh, hired me to be a consultant on the Stooge movie. Did they really? Yeah, I I coached Sean Hayes to be Larry. <laughs> that's right, Larry. because you do. Uh, I know you do that. I think we need to get into this at some point. Okay. You do not only do you do impressions of all the Stooges. Yes, but you do Larry like through young Larry to. To the old Delary, to like all the 1973 one. interview post, yeah. post stroke, which we'll get into all that. Okay. Um, but I just want to give a quick shout out. This was suggested by Cake or Death on our uh, Thank you, summer, Cake or Death. Right An nice. Eddie Izzard fan, I yeah. assume, which is awesome. But I, one of my early exposures to you was listening to the Howard Stern show with my father <laughs> and hearing you do Larry. Maybe most, uh, most famously in my mind, the bit where Larry is at Woodstock doing oh, stage announcements. Stage managing. <laughs> yeah, the don't eat the brown acid. Like yeah. that, uh, that I song. had long hair before any of you hide on. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you were telling us before we, uh, before we rolled on this, mm-hmm. that the voice of Stimpy from Ren and Stimpy was based on Larry Fine. Yeah, but you couldn't, you know, we couldn't have him sound like a depressed old Jewish guy, you know? <laughs> Hey, Ma, I broke your face like dishes. <laughs> you know, I mean, Stooges at home, you know? Yeah. Why, you idiot? This is the milk. This is the dairy. <laughs> Zochumf. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm a watering chill. <laughs> <laughs> so were you, did you grow up, like, when you were a little kid, you got exposed to the Stooges the first time? Yes, I saw them every morning before I went to school. Imagine really? imagine the, the, the thing that that TV station did for me, that immense favor. Of, we were exposed to that before we went to school, and I had a brain and a mind full of that stuff. I had no room for academia. So you're just, you're just walking around school hitting other kids in class with hammers on the head and wondering why it's not making that same sound. <laughs> well, you know, 
that was later on when you learned that they were citing sound jokes and that. But it was so it was so much better than watching an old western. Yeah, you know, to hear someone's eyes being poked out, like <laughs> with that violin string. Is that so? Do you know what some of the like some of the classic Three Stooges sound effects? Yeah, one was, they had that. Who made the library? The uh, it was. It was that studio they like. Oh, there Columbia. Was, there was, yeah. It, yeah, it was Columbia. They had sound men busy editing stuff mm-hmm. together and creating stuff like a bunch of potatoes with water in a bucket, you know, for puke. <laughs> <laughs> they would just dump them. And it sounded like that. And then it would be um, the slaps. For my money, they had sound effects of whip cracks, you know, where it would go. <laughs> they would edit out the drawback. the <laughs> And they'd just use... Oh, and that's how they got the slap. <laughs> yeah. It, it feels so much better when you know that's where it comes from. And slapping and punching never sounds like it does in uh, movies. I always thought that uh, the Indiana Jones movies, the punching. Yeah. If someone would get punched in an Indiana Jones movie, it had it had meat. Yeah. And it was wet and yeah. loud. And, yeah. But, you you know. Well, you had punched. good Foley guys. Doesn't you know? a lot of that involve, like, just abusing cabbage and lettuce? Like, you punch the lettuce, <laughs> oh, yeah, stab you, the lettuce. Oh, yeah. You've been in where they're doing overdubs for a movie with sound effects. They got this phony half car and the door works on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just sitting there and they go... <clears throat> And then they've got gravel to walk sure. on, and those yeah. little, those little like little four square fields that have uh, leaves and wood and gravel and uh, marble. I don't know who has marble floors. Uh, uh, rich it, people, Mark. Right, they all have marble floors. I assume that most. I, I assume the walls were marble, and, but I didn't know. And floor. they would play with room depth. You know, they they could put it in a a cathedral lobby or something, or then they could put it in the in the slapback sound of a, an old garage. You know, that quick. Echo bouncing off the place, which works for the Three Stooges because they wound up in several in several of their shorts in all kinds of different historical periods. They were never yes. The Three Stooges, I would I, I watched a lot of Three Stooges shorts, and the thing that got me was the number of jobs that they had. Oh yeah, always. oh yeah. And then when they run out of episode, they had no ending, so they just jump on bulls and ride off yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Oh, we ran out of ending. <laughs> we ran out of episode. You know, and and that was like, these were all throwaways. Yeah. They were throwaways. They were two real comedies, and most people didn't give a dismal damn. You know what I mean? That was going to open for a big, important feature. Mm-hmm. So look what becomes postmodern art. Yeah. Same with the Warner Brothers cartoons. You know, people will never remember the movies they opened up for eventually. But they will always remember that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how we, you know, how we perceive the past. So yeah. They had this all the time. You could just go to the theater and see it. Most people didn't get there till it was over or they'd go buy popcorn when it was on. One of the interesting things about watching those shorts now is yes. the visual. They really, like, sit on the visual jokes because when they were made originally, there are these two real comedies that, mm-hmm. that they throw in front of, or that, that Harry Cohn was forcing in front of whatever B, like if you want to show the Stooges, you'll show this B movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would like, they linger on the visual stuff because you have to, you, you're never going to see it again. It wasn't intended to be reviewed. It was, you're going to see it once. So we good. have to make sure this lands. So they, they did a couple um, that were, that were sort of satirical about the Nazis, I think before the Great Dictator. And I, there's, there's one gag you where it's nat- a map. Nazi spy yeah. or something. And they have like the, the map with gag country names, but it takes a very long time to go around the map. Oh, the famous map yeah. reading routine. You cannot, like, you, you have to read all the funny names on the map. We can't just yeah. show it to you and you'll catch it. Because there's no background. Because Mo just saying them still didn't have the impact of just the visual. Yeah. You go, now over to the Iran. <laughs> and to she ran and over to he ran and they, they would do you know to the no bikini at all you know <laughs> the funny map reading routine yeah exactly do you think that they played those things slowly do you think that them doing that slowly was uh, was underestimating their audience yes because the Marx Brothers did these visual gags and they did these word play gags but they would go 10,000 miles an hour like if you don't get it you don't get it that's right but the Stooges um, it was considered lowbrow humor Mm -hmm. for some reason the Stooges were relegated to that um, you know the lowest of the low yeah they remain like kind of a divisive thing like people people don't feel halfway about them you either love the Three Stooges 
or you just don't care for what they do mm-hmm. at all. Well, women traditionally hated the Three Stooges. <laughs> I remember my mom used to see me sitting there, I'd be like eight, watching them, and she would go, oh, how can you watch those awful men? <laughs> <laughs> and then one time she goes, they're Jewish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> In an attempt to get you to stop watching? I have no idea. Like, in other words... Really turn that off. Don't let them fool you. Oh, gee. They're very crafty. (laughs) It's it's just a small step from an eye poke to reading the Talmud. I know it is. Yeah. I know it is. It's clear. No, she was was just, like, put out by it. And most women were. And I realized there were two things that could get a woman out of the room faster than, you know... Lightning is uh, open up a can of sardines mm-hmm. or turn on a Stooges episode. Exactly. Sure. And in a Stooges episode, you'd open up a can of sardines and pour it down the front of Larry's pants. Yeah. 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 We say it like it's a bad thing. No, it's a great thing. <laughs> so, so our job here is to figure out who the best Stooge is. In my mind, it's it's a four-person race. But mm-hmm. before we get to... Well, you got to count Teddy Healy and all of yeah, this. Yeah, you have Ted, Ted, Teddy Healy who put them all together in the first place. And you he wanna... was the weakest link. Right. And they didn't. wasn't it Mo who got them out from under him? Well, what happened was um, this guy, Ted Healy, he was a song and dance man. He was like a jack-of-all comedy trades, except that he had lousy timing. And he was just... <laughs> he was like a guy that didn't understand comedy that had the forcefulness of a... Uh, I don't know... Like a Jackie Gleason or okay. something, you know, he would say, he would he would totally not understand the routine that was going on around him, and he'd be like, "All right, that's enough, that's enough." <laughs> because Jackie Gleason, without his sense of humor, is not pleasant. He's just no, a bully, he's a lout. So, so so anyway, but but uh, Teddy Healy was the bully type, yeah. and he wasn't he wasn't that good as a, you know, like I said, he didn't really have a great sense of timing. But what he did was he. He brought his fiance along on the road with him. It was, uh, you know, Teddy Healy and his gentleman featuring Bonnie, something or other. Yeah, he, people know out there. And I'm this sure. is in the this is in the vaudeville era. Vaudeville this days is before the movies. This is they were. I mean, stooge in the classic sense. They were stooges to Healy. Well, yeah, and and he used to slap them mm-hmm. on stage for real. It was Shemp, Moe, and Larry. Curly was like still in high school or something, or he was run, he was leading orchestras, you know, at night, and he had a big beard. And he, he was a football player, wasn't he? Well, I don't know about that, but he was. They called him Babe. That was his nickname because he was the baby brother. And so it would be Shemp, Moe, and Larry, and they'd go on tour with Teddy Healy. And Teddy Healy used to really smack him. And Shemp goes, "I hate that guy. I'm tired of being slapped by that bastard," you know, and. uh he says, come on, what are you hitting me so hard for? And and Teddy Healy goes, I want him to hear it way in the back of the theater. You know, he was like sort of sadistic about it. So Shemp would wind up leaving. But but what started all this was Mo and Teddy Healy were boyhood friends. They used to go on hunting trips and, you know, boyhood friends. And then Teddy Healy, he was a... Um, a make it happen kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He didn't care that he was no good, or he maybe wasn't even aware, but he probably thought he was king. These old, uh, these old uh, vaudeville acts and the early stuff. I know you look at Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton, and their things were so specifically choreographed. Every second was choreographed. With the Stooges, how much of this was choreographed with what Healy was doing, or was it just? I'm going to slap you here, you slap him, you guys do a fight thing, and then we're going to... They had to work that out. I think they came across it by accident, because Teddy Healy was a drunk and a crazy. Finally, Mo just, you know, they had all had enough, so they decided to break away from him and uh, become the Three Stooges. So now Mo, who was under forced compliance to be a stooge under Healy, was now the boss. So he was the one that was the, you know, the... uh, the uh, easy burn, you know, and the one, what do you think you're doing? You know, and he'd always have his teeth like, you know, in a canine sort of. Yes. Yeah, you know what I mean. He would always go like this. It was a, yeah. it was an old 30s thing or something. It's like perpetually sneering. Yeah, yeah. what do you boys think you're doing? Cops, <laughs> old cops were like that. Yeah. When I grew up, cops loved Led Zeppelin. Real cops like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Sounds like a great T-shirt. Yeah, it real does. Cops like Led Zeppelin. What are we doing here? Let's just make T-shirts that say "Real Cops Like Led Zeppelin." Yeah. Well, Put it yeah. in American Apparel. I want to make a really yeah. old-looking T-shirt that said "Real Cops Sneer Like Mo." There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
so anyway, it evolved into that, and they did a musical for um, Columbia mm-hmm. called The Woman Haters Club. And it was all sung. Shemp had left to have a solo career, so Mo was like, right, we got to find somebody. Mm-hmm. So he went back to recruit Jerry, Jerome, the babe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, when I was asked to... Uh, consult some of the actors on um, the Three Stooges movie, you know, I told uh, Sean Hayes, you know, I said, Larry, um, he would just, he'd be looking around, you know, when he wasn't doing something, he'd be just like this, you know, you know, like brushing the horse. Right. Because the focus was not on him. So then something would happen, Mo would get hit in the face with a brick because he tied it to the horse's tail. All of a sudden they cut to Larry and it is his, his action mode and he, he does zero to 80. Like he goes from, you know, Demir like, uh, you know, pushing the horse. And then all of a sudden they cut back to him and he's like, he's mugging. He's going, oh, 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 you know, like sucking all the oxygen out of the room. I used to love those shots. Like, you know, someone just said, do something. You know, so, oh, so he's like act, reacting overboard. He's a great react. I, he and Shemp are my two favorite reactors out of all of the Stooges. Yes. Um, and just to, so, so we're gonna, we're gonna eliminate Ted Healy. We'll respect his place in history. Yeah, because like, he's he, not like a best. He was never a Stooge, but he was integral in them, in getting those guys together. Yeah. He yeah. was, he was, he wasn't Brian Wilson. He was Murray Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my other hero. And yeah, and, and I Brian guess if, if we're doing, if we're doing, if we're going with the Beach Boys, then would Larry Fine be the Al, the next door neighbor to this family business? Because how many of them were brothers? They were. It was Shep, Shep, Shep Moe, and Curly. Shep, Moe, and Curly were all brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what brought Larry into this? This was just they found Larry in St. Louis or something or Philadelphia. That's what yes, it was. That's where he's from. He was in vaudeville there with a, a woman named uh, Janie Hankey. No, that was his daughter. I, I see. This is all like time space sure. continuum yeah. junk. Yeah. Um, who was it? The Haney sisters. Right. That's what it was. It was like two or three girls that would be the window dressing to him playing lousy violin and doing the Russian, um, you know, almost your ass to the floor dance while yeah, you're yeah. playing. <laughs> and it was like, it was just sitting there inert, whatever he was doing, but they were making some sort of living and Mo and, uh, you know, Shemp yeah, says, I, well, I, are you thinking what I'm thinking? You know, and they yeah. were watching Larry and they, they copped him and uh, he went with them. <laughs> but um, he wasn't related to them or anything. He's like a, a lovable pick for me because I'm also from Philadelphia. Yes, so, mm-hmm. which I, which anybody who listens to this a, podcast has heard me say. Hal, Hal loves to talk about being from Philadelphia. Philadelphia in Boston, we had a. He was so pro Boston, and um, he was doing basketball games. And uh, Larry was no, no. This is a guy named Johnny Most. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, and he would he would call. He was so pro Boston. He's like. Philadelphia, you know, and uh, yeah, the city of brotherly hate. <laughs> but the thing about Philly, now that we're on the subject, I've been listening to you to see if you have that bad plumbing that people I, from Philly have. I can turn it on, but I know it's nose and um, I don't know oh, sinuses. sinuses. Yes, you yeah. refer to a Philly accent as bad plumbing. Yeah, there is. A, I do have sinus. Do you hear it? Yes, you can hear it. It's like it's a m- mid Atlantic. Kind of thing or something. I don't just, know. But anyway, it was like, is. remember George Jetson? Yeah. George O'Hanlon, the old actor, played him. And he was from Philly. And he was like, oh, come on, J.D., honey. The cleaners are 500 miles away. It'll take an extra five minutes just to get there. You know. And then Larry was like, hey, Mo, there's too much sensible on the tree. You know. And I said, it's a Philly thing. But it does all come through. Be careful, house. Mo. You know, I made him, like, re-famous just for repeating stuff that was, uh, you know, disconnected. Like, good boy, Curly, you kept her up all night. (laughs) There's a circus. There's a fairground. You know, he was always like, we got to get over there, you know. He was the exposition guy. Yeah. Yes. This is what we're about to do. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, is everybody on board with us? Yeah, and I better get with this comedy fast. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's different from playing a fiddle on your yeah. knees. Hand me my violin. That's my thing that I. Yeah. Do. Oh, and they would work it into an episode now sure. and then. You know, Larry was fiddling so that Curly would go nuts or something oh, to yeah, be the wrestler. 
Yeah, wasn't it Feather made him go crazy, and then they played the violin, and he would box? He would do um, Pop Goes the Weasel, and Curly would just turn into, uh, he'd become feral. Yeah. And start swinging at anything that moves, so they got him in the boxing (laughs) ring, or a wrestling ring. I forget which one. I don't know, that plot seems a little contrived. (laughs) What about about three guys that sleep in the same bed? (laughs) Every episode. Yeah, three guys who... So they were the original three men and a baby, weren't yeah. they? They had the, the... What was the one where they had to take care of a baby? Oh, yeah. The baby was orphaned or laying on a yeah. doorstep, yeah. and the Stooges found him. It's like, you know, we got to feed him. What do, <laughs> what do kids eat? Goes, I don't know. No bones? No potato chips? You know, and then so, so Shemp, they go... You know, the kid was crying. Shut him up. So next thing you know, Shemp gives him a pacifier, and Mo looks in, and he goes, <laughs> the baby was sucking on the barrel of a pistol. Oh, <laughs> I think my father inherited his parenting skills from Mo. <laughs> yeah, because I used to get that's in case you do something when I'm not looking. Yeah. You know, the smack in the head. Yeah, sure. exactly. Nice man. But I was coaching um, John Hayes. And Will Sasso, we did a mm-hmm. Skype, and he said, just tell me anything. I said, well, I have a lot of weird information that nobody really knows except for me and a couple people. Uh, he said, like what? I said, well, you know when Curly is running and you watch him run and he pivots on one foot? He's limping. He has a limp. You go back and watch it. It's like, you know, I'm coming. You know, <laughs> like like uh, like an old uh, moonshiner or something. And... Uh, <laughs> And that's because he shot himself in the foot when he was 13. What? Oh, yeah. What? It was baked into the cake what his future was going to be. A stooge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we... We'll leave the core four. We'll come back to Mo, Larry, uh, Curly, and Shem. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so there are three others that I think we should talk about. Yes. Probably the most peripheral is Emil Sitka. Yes. Who I had not heard of do you want until to, the car ride a, over here. Yeah. Give us a little bit about Emil, Emil Sitka, who is a, a Larry fill-in, right? Um... Well, at the end he was, but yeah. they were all precancerous, and it was just like tick, tick, tick. So they decided that Mo promised Emil Sitka many, many years earlier, like back way back, someday you're going to be a stooge. But until then, he was always this put-out uh, boss or salesman who was in charge of them. and right. Or he'd play these oddball characters like a, a Justice O'Peace, you mm-hmm. know. And yeah. There was this thing about how, uh, I think it was... Shemp that got tricked into getting married because he was left this will and said he has to get married by sundown. Meanwhile, Mo and Larry cooked up that plot because they wanted to <laughs> F him. You know, they wanted to F up his life or something. So um, so they said he inherited all this money and all these women that turned him down over the years were coming with the newspapers with the story in it and they all were trying to grab a piece of them you know are you gonna marry me the woman puts his head in a letter press you know she's reeling the letter press and it's coming down and he goes oh you're crushing my eyebrows and she goes are you gonna marry me it goes never meanwhile she was gorgeous she was one of those big you know veronica lodge you know yeah yeah, only yeah. aggressive and big and uh where did that come from wouldn't you think that those Betty guys would, would learn to avoid letter presses after a while? Because I, I like, like they, yeah, the letter press was that was the only yeah. function that it served was to crush heads and cause amusing faces in comedy movies. Well, it was a, it was a classic prop. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know anything that could hurt you. Yeah, well, you brought up letter press right before I came up here. I decided, all right, I'm going to brush up on on the Stooges a little bit. So uh-huh. I watched Disorder in the Court. Oh. Where all oh. like, and then they put his head in the letter press, and they put Curly's head in the letter press, and I think it's Mo, uh, like you know, vices his head, yes. and then it expands back out because it's Curly, and the wheel drops on Mo's head. But, but like, stay away from letter. Like at a certain point, yeah. Out there, like, also, a letter press. It's not. There's nothing that happens in that by accident because that is a slow moving yeah. apparatus. It's kind of like uh, they could they could uh, do a sequel to the movie Concussion, but just make it about. <laughs> The students, as the characters they play, like I think uh, you have significant damage from all those letter presses. Oh yeah, stuck your head in. Yeah, I want to get one now. Yeah, <laughs> that's know? what this house needs is a letter. It press. Does. It, it does. It was just a, an old fashioned office off that way, you know. <laughs> but um, I was going to say disorder in the court. Man, oh man, that made me laugh for all the wrong reasons. That's that's how I enjoy the Stooges because I'm laughing hysterically at all the. The little stuff you don't even notice. Right. Just the way the judge says, you know, this parrot comes flying in and he goes, Find the letter! Find the letter! You know, and, and the judge goes, 
what does this parrot mean by find the letter? You know, and I'm, I'm dying. I'm laughing. No one was supposed to laugh at that. What does this parrot mean by find the letter? You know, everybody was so cranky yes. and pie mm-hmm. and coffee and fedora, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so now, um, these were studio system guys, so this was a guy who... This judge would have been a guy that played a judge in a very serious movie the day before. Well, or, one of the judges played uh, Mr. Borg. Remember on that ship they stowed away with this foreign guy who had microfilm hidden in watermelons? <laughs> <laughs> well, his name was Gene Roth, and uh, long after he had worked with the Stooges, he was a judge on Perry Mason, the judge. <laughs> and I'm going, that's Mr. Borg, you know? You gotta work backwards. Yeah. yeah. Did the parrot fly through the Perry Mason episode? <laughs> yeah, but the parrot, the parrot was so ridiculous, they had this shell of a, yeah. you know, a parrot... And they made up a little apparatus, like a wheel. They had that looked like little birdie feet, but they were every, <laughs> they were on every side of that wheel, and they would just go like round and round together. And so it looked like he was walking. Yeah, find the ladder, you know. And they had some stupid Billy West like off stage going find the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be right. It would have been me. Yeah, if it, yeah. if I were back there, but. Um, <laughs> But that one is, was a crack up, and you said you saw that. But I used to see every one of them on the way to school. So we're talking about Emil Sitka. Yeah. That episode where where Shemp was being forced to get married, thinking he was going to inherit millions. Um, Emil Sitka played the Justice of the Peace, and whenever the the woman uh, gets in the office with Shemp, you know he got to marry them, and he's like, he reads from the book, and he goes, "Hold <laughs> hands, you love birds." You know, and they do it, and all of a sudden the door busts down, and there's all these interruptions, so he can't quite get married. And it's just a way to, let's keep it going until we run out of episode, because mm-hmm. yeah. we don't know how we're going to end this. Um, <laughs> get so, those bulls so we can ride off. And it was Shemp, so I want to talk about him for a second. You know, Ed Burns directed mm-hmm. a lot of these episodes, and uh, he said in all his later interviews, he said Shemp was the most instinctive actor that they had and I kind of buy it mm-hmm. you know because he reminded me of one of my alcoholic grand uncles <laughs> you know with the bread breath and he's in your face <laughs> you haven't got a dime do you <laughs> <laughs> boy I gotta buy a drink or it's gonna be <laughs> you know and he was he had his own little set of noises so they were all freaks you know poor mm-hmm. Mrs. Stooge yes <laughs> When I, when I think about it, Jenny, <laughs> that was their mom. Oh, oh my goodness. But she, they wasn't, she wasn't Ma Howard. She was Mrs. Stooge. This was Bronx, and she was a real estate person, so they had a buck. Yeah. So it wasn't like these three kids, you know, came out playing stickball and everything. They were probably, uh, they were probably going, you know, we want to get into entertainment, and the mother was probably filled with blessings for them. Yeah. And uh, just not unlike Mamie Marks. Encouraging her nutbag sons to, to do something. <laughs> Which is interesting to me. I always thought that um, that was not viewed as a. That, that, that's a tough life. Like, if you come from means to want to. If your kids want to subject themselves yeah, to, to a slumming life on the it. road and these, <clears throat> these brutal vaudeville houses and. But that, that was the, the way. No one had any options. You couldn't buy your way in, I don't think, if you were a young performer because mm-hmm. they wouldn't go for any nonsense then. You had to be a triple threat. Yeah. You had to be able to do anything and everything. Yeah. You know, that's why a lot of these guys could dress up in drag and it's like you're playing women for, in the scene. It's like, okay, no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they just, that's what they wanted. It, it chose them probably before they chose it. Yeah. So do you think that Shemp out of all of them was, you, you said he was most instinctual. Do you think, is there one of them that you guys would say is the best? I know that acting is not really terribly high on the list. But I learned to is. act and I learned timing and comedy from watching those guys. Mm-hmm. When I, when I discovered them, I stopped going to church. That's how serious this is. I had, wow. my, I had my saints. <laughs> yeah. I found them. That's all they need. I don't care about any more nonsense. Yeah. So, um, would you say Shemp was the best actor of the group? I, I kind of think so. I kind of agree with uh, Ed Burns. He he always knew what to do, no matter what happened. Sometimes Larry is looking down, and you know the camera. You're not supposed to be watching him, and somehow he said, 
I want to lean into that, you know, and you see his hands like, you know, moving. He's not with the, quite with the flow of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just sort of waiting for yeah, whatever. The, waiting for happen. his Larry moment where he can go, you know, uh, mine hernia, you know, yeah, or something. I don't know. Yeah, Shemp does seem like he's li- like he's active and engaged. He was he was actually. I think when you're a kid, you it's hard to reduce. Uh, or to to uh, avoid that, like it's almost seductive how great Curly is. Right, like so talented. He was like, you know, you look at these talented guys like Chris Farley, Belushi. Just k- keep going back and back, um, and then you get to a guy like Curly, who's pure energy, pure his physical bit, mm-hmm. like the speed at which he moved. He has a whole bit in disorder in the court where it's raise your right hand, put the left hand here. And he's got a cane and a hat. Take off that continue, hat. Yeah, mm-hmm. he continues <laughs> juggling. Raise your right hand. He's fantastic. Shemp, to me, yeah, when I was a kid, Shemp, to me, was not curly. Yeah. He was, oh, if, sure. a, if a Shemp one came on, it was, oh. There's, yeah, it's him. And that's, unfortunately, now that's how it's viewed, I guess, by a lot of people is, right. oh, I'm going to watch the Three Stooges. Oh, it's not a curly one. You know what? I um, I thought there was two curlies when I was a kid. Because every night you see an episode where it's like, <laughs> ow, wow, 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 you know, after the stroke. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, and yeah, this uh, lat, what was it like? He did two more years after he had a stroke. But then I'd see the old one, and I thought they were two different people. Yeah, yeah. you know, I didn't know he kept working. I, I was not aware he, he kept, he working kept after going after, after the first Shemp. one. Um, oh, but, we had two. That's right, and that's what yeah. that's what brought Shemp back. But see, mm-hmm. the thing about Curly, yes, he was pure. Yes, he was pure output, but he was also pure id. I think right, mm-hmm. and he married hookers. <laughs> he married hookers. You He's know? the Babe Ruth of of uh, comedy. Yeah, yeah. That's or, why they called him Babe. It has to be Babe. <laughs> it's, it fits. True. It does fit. Um, but he, uh, you know, he hated these women. Even though he married them, they were gold diggers. But he was under a pile of taxes and bills, and he was being crushed by the alimonies. And yeah, and so he he'd go crazy in his own house. The gold digger would be like, you know. He'd see her on the phone, you know, ordering clothes from whatever department store, and he would sick the dogs on her. Right. He, he loved dogs more than he loved people. Wow. He had a bunch of them, and he would sick them on the dame, you know. And, and then he would, like, fill the sink full of cigar butts, you know, like, he'd put them out there. <laughs> so bizarre. It is bizarre. You, was, you, it makes sense, though. He was suited for nothing else in this world except to be a stooge. Because that's all he knew how to do. Mm-hmm. He yeah. he he lived the part. I don't know what he was like in his real life. Right. I think he just probably drank a lot. And yeah, he did drink a lot to kill the pain of his thirteen-year-old uh, shot to his foot. Yeah, it never got fixed or anything, and he always limped. But I think he he imbibed, and then it came. It looked like no, this guy loves to have a good time. But right. I think a lot of it was killing the pain. Well then, all right. Let's why don't we move to two more curly replacements? I think okay. we have to talk about them, and that's uh, Joe Besser and Curly Joe Dorita. Curly Joe Dorita. What was he? The first Italian stooge? Yeah, right. and he did all the stuff. I mean, he was there for Italians a are long time. as an Italian <laughs> who does a show with a Jewish guy. We're practically the same. Yeah, and all <laughs> Jewish guys want to be tough Italian guys. Yeah, exactly. you know, I'd beat people up in court. <laughs> <laughs> My brother's in medicine. Get out of here! Oh, I've had that gavel broken. <laughs> But those guys, Curly Joe uh, Dorita, he did a lot of the stuff. I, I saw, I saw a movie, they made feature-length movies in the 60s, right? Yes. And I saw one that was a Western. Oh, The Outlaws is coming. Yeah, and it's, I, I mean, it's, I, for me, it is practically unwatchable. Of course it is. But, and, and like, you're like, oh, who, this guy is clearly not Curly, nor is he Shep. It's clear those two guys are, de- like, even one of them in, a, like, a rolling hospital cot. Might have been right. Better, like I would have been more welcome to me watching it. But the thing is, that's not really Curly not Joe's fault. fault. No, it was just Curly Joe happened to be the guy who showed up, who was the replacement in the '60s when it's in color and they're 900 years old. And right. But but there's levels of it. You know, it's like um, Shemp couldn't replace Curly, but Shemp. Became a guy you couldn't replace. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I mean? He had his own set of noises and his own um, ideology. Yeah. And he always seemed to know what to do, whether he was like uh, 
you know, being pulled on two levels of floors. There's a hole, and he's like half, half his body's down, <laughs> yes. and the rest of it's upstairs. And they're tugging to pull him up, and these guys are pulling him down. <laughs> you know, oh my neck! <laughs> and it's more of a three person act. <clears throat> the other thing Curly brings is he. Like you said, he sort of sucks up a lot of oxygen and energy. Yeah. But he satellited around yeah. the entire thing, too. Exactly. His energy like, allowed him to do that. Yeah. but the, So when he's not there, especially Shemp, as I got a little bit older, I came to appreciate Shemp. And he's been my Me favorite mm-hmm. for a very long time for the reason that the, th- the, the Shemp, Larry, and Moe feels like a three-person team where they each have... Larry gets more of a, of a defined role yes. in that trio right. than he does with Curly, well, where he just shows he up at the like, end of a bit. To me, he was like the Keith Richard of the Stooges. You know, there had to be somebody in the middle that held the whole band together. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, he was... he was. Hey, Mo, I'm on heroin again. <laughs> <laughs> Stay off those towers. What's the matter with you? I told you to try morphine. <laughs> You're trying to make an idiot out of the doctor? <laughs> So, um, so anyway, oh, now, okay, see, we're all over the map, but you have to be with the, the, yeah. the flying in and out of the Stooge factions and, yeah. and certain members. But Joe Dorita, okay, Joe Besser had his own thing, too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it was kind of like nails on a chalkboard. It wasn't endearing in any way where you we were like, this is just adorable. It was like... I'll be quiet, you! You know, it was that whole thing. <laughs> It was all that, you know. It was like, you know, I, I, I don't want to sit in the barrel, Mo. You bossy, you. <laughs> didn't he have a thing where he didn't, he would not allow himself to be hit? That's right. Which is Wait, like, if you're one of the three stooges, exactly. and you're not going to allow yourself to be hit, maybe yes. Joe like, Besser I'm going to play pictures. basketball, but I'm not taking any shots. Yeah. That's <laughs> right, and he'd always go, remember, I got pictures of you and Larry, you know, at the Pantages behind yeah. the stage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something was up. Yeah, you know? there had to be, like, exactly. He might have saved them in World War II or something, you know? And, uh, <laughs> come to, you know, did you know that when it came time to cash in your chips... That I would be your banker, you, you crazy. I feel like I have to go watch some of these episodes with Joe just to hear this insane. Well, you mentioned like Shemp having his own noises. Well, yeah, Curly obviously had his own. And noises. Joe Besser had that, uh, just that manic. You know, what are you trying to do, you? And uh, it was almost like it was sissified, as they used to say, because he used to play a character with uh, Abbott and Costello called Stinky. Who had the same personality, same voice. He was like a boy man. Yeah. A baby man. and uh, But that was his thing. Mm-hmm. So then he's gone, and then they replaced him with Joe Dorita, who put no effort into it, but he was <laughs> but he was willing to try to be curly. Right. And he was curly Joe. So I thought, okay. And then he comes along, and, and he's like, you know, uh, he, he was like, everybody was too tired. Like, Mo was too tired to punish him. Yeah. What did you do that for, Joe? He's like, you're not gonna hit me, are you, Mo? You know, buddy boy. He called him buddy boy. Who could get away with calling Mo buddy boy? You know, it's like without getting two fingers. Yeah, to come here, eyes. you. Ah, screw it. I got arthritis in my in my eye poking fingers. That's right. That's enough out of you. I'm gonna go take a nap. All right. Let's not think about the three stooges in the era of eye poking fingers with arthritis. Let's think about them in their heyday. Okay. Let's go back to the the golden era, the Columbia greats, uh, Larry, Moe, Curly, and Shemp. We've talked a little bit about Shemp uh, being this sort of beautiful integration and the the actor of the group. Mm-hmm. Curly as being this pure id, but everybody loves this this wild and insane energy that's sort of unmatched what did uh, what did Larry bring to the table he he was the guy it's hard to put it into words because he is so sublime Mm -hmm. but he'd be the one that would try to tell Mo like the better idea Maybe you should hold him up by his pants. And it's like, maybe I should kill you. You know, <laughs> you had to have that going because Mo had to be punishing somebody. Mm-hmm. That was his juice, you know. Um, he wouldn't. It was very rare when he didn't get you for something you said. Like I said, there's a rare episode where Mo didn't go, come here. 
you know, he just ignored it. And I went, yeah. that's totally out of form, out of character. <laughs> Come here, you. Yeah. I'm going to hug you right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I value you as a person. You know, he'd, hold, he'd give Larry a crowbar with the upturned end on it, and he'd, he'd stick it up his... Yeah. He'd pull his nose up like a fish hook, and he held it up, and he goes, here, hold this. And Larry would be great just chewing up scenery. Yes. You know, like, he, he keeps it there till Mo comes back. Yeah. He was the only one who never... Like, he didn't really fight back. Curly maybe had a little bit more backbone in terms of he would stand up to Mo. I, oh, they would all wind up getting hit. I do feel like the one time... The one time Moe's like doesn't hit you, he just, you're just he disappears for a while and then just comes back with an axe and you're chopped <laughs> up and you're gonna wind up at the bottom of a river somewhere yeah. in a lot. Thank of God he's slapping you in the face. <laughs> but but a, one, another one of their their routine trademarks was sometimes Larry was the the third in the timing of like you know the Emir of Schmoll cut off your head. Good, then it'll make it even. You know, or something like that. Mo would be resolved, like, let him do what he has to do. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and they, you know, Mo said, sounds fair to me. And then Larry would have to add a little button on it, like, you don't sound very fair to me. You know, just to reinforce that, that they weren't going to go along with this. Meanwhile, the, the character that they're against is upending everything. Yeah. He, he kind of, he balances, he balances the group out. He's the middle child. So he's not, he'll never be, the commanding presence that Mo is, and he'll never be the out of control uh, personality that Curly or Shemp or Joe or Curly Joe were. That was that was sort of their role, right? Yes, but but like Larry, um, sometimes would have to talk to Mo out of hitting him, and something wasn't his fault. Like it's like uh, Shemp was dead, you know, and he's up in heaven, but he decides he's going to come back and punish these two. <laughs> You know, for their greed and all this other stuff. Yeah. And it was a very funny episode, and they invented a fountain pen that could write under whipped cream. And this rich couple was coming to this phony penthouse they had, and they were in, you know, tuxedo-type suits. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were going to underwrite this project. And so, um, you know, uh, Mo makes a bunch of money from the deal. And uh, and he goes, here, this is for you. You know, and he's short sheets him sure and he puts the money in his pocket and Shemp is standing there and you can see him but they can't see him so he goes you've been picking on that little guy long enough and he grabs the money out of Mo's pocket and he sticks it in the Larry's <laughs> wow and then, good job Shemp yeah and then Mo says hey and Larry pulls out this wad he says give me that and he puts it and then Shemp comes back and takes it out again and gives it back to Larry <laughs> and he goes hey Mo you took my money right yeah and he pulls out the water. He goes, it's Shemp. He's come back to haunt us. <laughs> it, it was just like a way to explain things to Mo so that Mo might try to get a conscience. Right. You know, his poor dead brother. <laughs> so so then out of these four. Does this make any sense? It does. This is, this well, is perfect. Tr it's is it really? Yeah. Thank you. Well, you're on the same wavelength. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stooge mysteries. Yeah. You know, that I can't explain. Like, um, <laughs> like, why does Mo have no conscience? Is it just to move? Is it just to move whatever plot and slapstick moments they had yeah. forward and he does sometimes like he should he has, he has no yeah but instead of advancing the plot he was advancing his moanness yeah exactly yeah. and I love the bad ADR sometimes where you know if he was on the ceiling of an airplane hangar because he's coated with rubber and they, and they inflate him to get him out of it and meanwhile he floats away and he's on the, bumping off the ceiling like a balloon an escape balloon and uh, you hear this bad ADR they're like going we got to get him down. And he's like, oh, you know, they, they, <laughs> they stuck him in a closet to yeah. do the little ADR and then they married it to the scene. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm floating. You know, because they forgot to explain what was going on to him. Oh. You know, I love bad a ADR. It's like the monsters, you know, it's yeah. like, uh, Look what you did, you big dummy. You locked us in the bank vault. You know, and, and mo normally it would be, look what you did, you big dummy. Yeah. But it was done in a closet, you know, because they had to uh, probably fill out the dialogue a little more and give the audience a, a better shot at understanding it. <laughs> exactly. It's not, None of that ADR ever makes you go, thank goodness they added that. I was so lost. Ooh, <laughs> get me down from here. <laughs> 
So, all right. You're going to have to go back and watch it, and you're going to go, oh, my God. This is a whole other set of reasons to love the Stooges. Let's talk about Mo. We have we a little bit more. We have we we've given the other guys a little bit of dude. Let's, let's talk about um, Mo, and then we'll figure this out. We're gonna hash it out, and yeah, we'll I feel it. like Mo is. Uh, I mean, it, it's interesting because I came into this night thinking that I would view uh, Mo as the glue of the three, but maybe it's just because I've always he's always the ringleader, and he's the one who's coming up with the plan and keeping them together. But he doesn't need them. It's like he's always ready to throw them under the bus. Right. <laughs> yes. You know, somehow, yeah. well, yeah, I didn't do it. He did it. You know, put him on the chopping block, the other stooge. <laughs> and whatever plan he comes up with, yeah, he could have easily, he could easily do himself. They're just a hindrance. But the best the part about it is he was as dumb or maybe even a little dumber sometimes mm-hmm. than the other two were. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, like, he, it, at his best, he's the smartest dumb guy. And and whatever he gives out to other people, uh, to the other Stooges, he gets from everybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just this, it's like a, the trickle-down economics of physical abuse, where he's getting abused by everybody above him because he's lowest of the low. That's right. And he's it's got like, two guys you know, who are willing to take it from him, mm-hmm. so he takes it all out on them. Why did you press the captain's suit? <laughs> Mo turns around. Why did you press the captain's suit? And then Larry goes, Why did you press the captain's suit? And then Curly goes and he's like, Low man again. <laughs> so Mo was quick to throw them. You know? Yeah. But but Mo would lose his moanness when he was scared. Mm-hmm. Oh, fellas, I got a I got a good idea. We better get out of here. You know, and, he, and he's yes. not going to force anyone to, to get out of there or, you know, you, you yeah. And you, you have to feel for Mo too, because in that instance where like, if, if Curly is the low man on the totem pole and Larry's one step up, at least Larry and Curly know that their abuse is going to come from Mo. Right. Mo, yeah. his abuse is going to come from Every single other person in the world. Right. And yeah. very rarely did uh, Curly and Larry have an argument. Mm-hmm. Because that threw off the dynamic. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was something like, it was just a chain reaction. It was never one of them mad at the other. They, they always had to gang up against Mo, who but, dominated. But when you take stuff, sometimes Mo quotes, you know, they're Mo quotes. Everybody knows what they are. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and curly stuff. Everybody can do that, but no one gave a damn about Larry. And I and I just still to this day find it hellaciously funny to hear him go, "Hallelujah! I'm from the South." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would watch nothing else but that. Yeah. And, yeah. And so I decided to see. I have to use him if I ever make it or become anything someday. I got to put him in something. <laughs> so I so I did it with uh, Stimpy, like I said. Yeah. You know, it's like. Uh, Will you button me, Ren? You know, it's Larry pitched up. And, uh, and, cause, cause it would have been like, you know, hey, Mo, you button me. <laughs> Depressed. You needed that energy, yeah. It had to have cartoon energy so we could yeah. bounce off a, a comedic, uh, a cartoon parameter. Yeah. In the animation world. You know, squash and stretch. That's real people can't do that. That's the beauty of a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to say one more thing about Mo and then, then let's, then we'll figure this out, which is Mo Howard, the person, um, just two, two things about him that I think are notable. One is he is, he is, I think, the only one who was there until the bitter end because Larry got to a point physically where he just couldn't do Mm -hmm. it anymore. And Mo was there and, and a, and a leader and organizer for, for however many years, almost almost fifty years. Well, since since Vaudeville, which they yeah. were probably doing that in twenty nine. Yeah, and then as a performer, nineteen twenty nine. He, he does like they, they as a group are. There's no straight man to the group really. The straight men are always the people around them. Right. Everybody is there. Margaret Dumont. That's right. But within the dynamic of the group, he's the he is the straight man of the Stooges in that Stooge world, mm-hmm. and he does it so well. Like he. The, the the other two guys are not Curly's not Curly without a Mo to play off of, and Mo did that so well. And part of it may be because they were brothers and knew each other, mm-hmm. and that's that same dynamic carried to Shemp, but also to Larry. Mo and, and Larry were great, and Larry was the least seasoned performer of all of them. And, and Mo Mo would carry him. And Larry would say in interviews, he said, "Boy, when Mo slapped you, you stayed slapped, baby." <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, what a great quote because he was willing to take it. Shemp was not willing to take it. So Mo, you know, realized I can't keep doing this to everybody. So he would learn to eye poke in the eyebrows rather than the eyes, and it looked real because it was so fast. Yeah. Um, now are we are we basing our decision though on just on screen? Because if we're if we're going off screen as well and taking the behind the scenes into account. I think there's no question, at least for me, that it's Mo, as he's the guy that sort of took care of all of these guys. He's, when they contractually and, you know, just in life as human beings, not as the characters of Mo, Larry Curley, and Shemp, but Mo Howard. But Mo wasn't that stupid, see, because he, um, he clarified the uh, equation that Albert Einstein gave us in 1918 or whatever. Uh, e equals MC squared. And Mo said it so we could pretty much all understand. He went, we ain't getting no place fast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so you got to love him for that. Yeah. So were we trying to figure out, like, what is our... Like, as far as on screen, we figure out the, the question best. was just, who's the best stooge? I, I think Larry sort of... Uh, while he's great, it's hard for him to match up against Mo and Curling Shep. Do we agree on that? Yeah. Yeah, because um, he, there wasn't enough of him. He always played the role of the guy in the middle, and if he got a little cocky and he was tired of being bossed around, they, Mo would act on it immediately, and that'd be mm-hmm. the end of it. Yeah. So so then it's Mo, Shemp, or Curly. Is there one of these three that... That were willing to sort of—they were the brothers. Yeah, yeah. So we get—we're—we're we're down to that the Howard family exclusively. Yeah. From were they Bensonhurst? Is that they where they grew up? Like no, Brooklyn, they were Bronx. Bronx. The Bronx. Yeah. When Bronx was still like dirt roads with sidewalks and curbs. <laughs> That's a lot of horses. It just looked like oh. uh, looked like the Boston streets from the beginning of Cheers. It was just horses and carriages yeah. and, and dirt roads. Uh, okay, so we've got the three Howard brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there one of those that that? If I may throw out, and you guys yeah. can tell me if you can both slap me on the side of the head yes. or poke out my eyes. It's like meet the press, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, be, just based on what we were talking about earlier with, um, if we're going with the Three Stooges as an entity, um, Curly is brilliant. Yes. Curly is a brilliant And fearless comedian because and a, he didn't know any better. And, yeah. And, and that's the best kind of energy. It's nuclear. And... On the flip side, though, that nuclear energy that he has, does that put him at the top of the pack, or does that separate him from the Three Stooges as an odd man out? Well, in their day, you got to remember, it's the 1930s, and everything was buttoned down and, you know, kind of prim and proper. Everybody acted like, hi, neighbor. Hey, neighbor. And yeah. then you see these two, three guys doing this stuff, sticking their fingers in light sockets with the sound effects and everything, or, <laughs> you know, pretending to be plumbers and knocking the wall down to, to pull out a pipe, and, and it's not a plumbing pipe, it's electrical wires, you know. <laughs> you know. No wonder the water don't work. <laughs> These pipes are clogged with wires. <laughs> you know, so... You want to you wanna pick first, or you how do you want to do this? Well, I'm saying, does that... Does that I, my argument was, should we eliminate Curly from that if what, he what is if, we did, if he's the outlier? I, I think it's possible. It's what, possible, but I can't. We, I can't. I can't eliminate Curly. Yeah, can't. It, it why don't hurts we to do that? Maybe we should do it this way. Sometimes uh, Mark and I will count to three and we'll we'll give our answer. And if it's the same answer, it's decided. If not, we'll figure it out. It's usually down to two if it's a multiple field. So why don't we count to three? Okay. We'll all say our choice at the same time. The three of us. Yeah, and if Ironic, and if it's the same, we've right. got it. Yeah, we've got it. All right. So, uh, Mark, do you want to count us out? All right, I will count us. I will count us for this. All right. It'll be one, two, three, go. Okay. okay. One, two, three. Shut. Curl. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So we've each picked. We've each picked. I said Shem, you said Mo, and and Billy, you said Curly. The reason I said that is because I'm always attracted to childlike energy. It's yeah. innocent, and like you said earlier, it's pure. And, and you know what? It's like I'm sure he improvised like crazy if they allowed him. You know, he, we got this mapped out. But you want to do it? You want to do a take where, uh, you know, it's your choice. I'm sure he did tons of that. And and yeah. I, I'm a musician. And I used to play, and I made a living. 
And I heard this definition of improvisation that stuck with me. It fractured me. It's like never do anything the same way once. You know, and Curly seemed to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He would do variations on similar things, but the chicken with his head cut off, that came from the Bronx farms. You know, he, they'd be cut, up, cut off the head of the chicken and it would be still flopping around. And, and he said, you know, I, I want to do that. But he would make the chicken's noise as if the head was still on. But it <laughs> yeah. Would, yeah. That's, but really, that, uh, that's a really good point. <laughs> well, what worked? I mean, Oh god! There's oh, you, listen, there's, there's an actual there's a, chicken yeah, in here. Loose. There's an actual chicken loose running around. I did not know Billy West had this in his home. Um, <laughs> we, Why are the chickens so afraid of me? <laughs> if those, but if, using that that thought, I was I was ready to either eliminate him or put him on the pedestal. Yeah, and I, because I feel like he's such that that id, and if the Three Stooges are at their core this childlike id. Um, I would be, I, I yeah, if they'll, they'll love him or hate him, yeah. I guess it's similar to that. With Curly, it's you either, in my mind, you either eliminate him and make it Mo or Shemp, yes. or you just flat out put him on the top. And if you're not eliminating him as an outlier to yes. the group, yeah. if you're looking at him as the force behind the group, at least the force behind the groups, um, the, the, Perception of the group and the heart of the group as this childlike game. Well, he gave it inertia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's almost like an asteroid hitting the Earth. It's so impactive what mm-hmm. he did, and I think that's why most people would say his stuff, you know, and repeat and, and pick up on all the mannerisms and everything. Um, but that's what I was most attracted to. Is he seemed to be free. Mm-hmm. Okay. You never hear him figuring out and making actors' choices. You never watch the wheels turning or you know smell sawdust burning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was almost like, like I said, he was born to do that and nothing else in this world. Okay, so uh, Mo, you know, I mean, he was an actor. He was a straight actor too. Yeah, you know, before he inadvertently became the bossy leader of a, a band of misfits, um, but Curly had no choice. You know, it's like in England. You can either be a coal miner or a rock star. <laughs> you know, in their world, it was like, you want to sell shoes or you want to poke people in the eye for a living and make money? Oh, well, you guys, Mark? I've got to get a job selling shoes now. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I will, I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put Curly, uh, I'm going to put Curly up on that, up on that. Columbia torch holding. Atta boy. All right. Glad to see you. <laughs> well, then allow me to say, people of the world, so many students have come before you in your lifetime, but only one of them had his own hit song in the 80s based on him laying on the side and shuffling himself around on the floor. It's little Jerome, Curly, the Curly Shuffle guys. Look it up on YouTube. Oh, you of course. Seen the video. Me and my gang go out on the town. Blah, 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 with no trouble or hustle. We're just here doing the curly shuffle. Doesn't matter. Are you getting upset right now? Did you have another stooge you like? Well, let me calm you down. Molary cheese. Molary cheese. Molary cheese. No, Limburger. That's right. The best stooge is curly, guys. You knew it all along. Did you? Asked Did you know it all along? I felt like the, that's where we'd want to So you've been pulling my chain for 45 minutes, you. Yeah. Yeah. Come here. We learned Mark. so much about the Stooges. <laughs> yeah, Mark has been robbing you yeah. and stealing yeah. into your house the whole time. Yeah, this wad of cash in my pocket, Shemp actually put in here. Billy, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's ap- my absolute pleasure. This is probably my favorite subject matter. Billy, you, in addition to being on almost everything, like, I mean... I could go through your resume I'm sick and, of me. and get a lot of it. <laughs> Probably tell people a lot of things you're doing. But you have a podcast. Yes. The podcast is me and my, my old friend from Ren and Stimpy, Jim Gomez. He was a uh, director, animator, artist. I wanted us to get together and sound like bad college radio. Knowing everything <laughs> I know. Oh, that's so good. About awesome. radio. You know, so this show is pros faking amateurism. Yes, <laughs> I love and it's that. and you can get it on iTunes. So we, it's uh, the Billy West podcast. Is that is Billy West podcast dot com? Billy West podcast dot com. And thank you for joining us. Thank uh, you, and I'm so glad to talk about it. I, yeah, um, you have to listen to it, and it's really silly, and and it's a flight of fancy. It's whimsy. Yeah, 
Everybody, everybody, go check it out. But uh, don't spend time arguing about the Stooges anymore. That has been asked and answered, and we know you have. Uh, more topics you want us to cover, and so we want to hear from you. Here. So reach out to us on uh, Twitter at We Got This Tweets, or find us on uh, the Maximum Fun subreddit. There's a conversation much like this one happening on there right now. You didn't have any commercials, though. That's right. Yeah. Oh, how th- come? There'll be commercials. This show is brought to you by Bluetooth. Now brain cancer comes in a new color: blue. <laughs> Bluetooth. <laughs> and by our new email, we got this podcast at gmail.com or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash. We got this podcast. Seamless, Hal. We'd like to thank, as always, <laughs> our uh, our dear friends Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and our theme song, respectively. Thank you, dude. And we're dear friends yes, now. Yes, we we're are. All best Hiya, friends. Pal. Hiya, pal. Pal. Hiya, pal. What are they? My friend. Uh, uh, and, now, and now we're one of those podcasts where uh, dear friends just interview each other. Yeah. You yeah. can't do the next one here because I'm moving next week. <laughs> oh, no. We're, we're breaking in. Yeah. Uh, thank you to our friends and producer, uh, Ken Plume, to our graphic designer, Uri Kelman, to our researcher, Kate McManus, to our QA engineer, Jen Alba, my tiki buddy. Ken Plume is my buddy, too. He's, but he Ken can Plume be a complete everybody. bear in the morning. Right? A real bear. <laughs> a complete you guys, bear. You guys, Ken is going to uh, going to listen to this. He's going to master yeah. this. I know. Hi, Ken. Stuff. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Uh, Hi, Ken. And thank you again, as always, to you, our listeners. We wouldn't be doing it without you, and uh, we would have no reason to, and we thank you. Thank you, thank you for listening. Yes. Uh, for Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everyone. We, we got, got this. We got this. Podcasts. 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 <laughs> They're audio programs that tell smart stories in innovative ways using editing techniques like, like this. this. Like this. Like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's face it. All that smart stuff can be exhausting. That's where Stop Podcasting Yourself comes in. It's so stupid. It's just two stupid dinguses being dumb idiot jerks for 90 minutes. Stop Podcasting Yourself. The stupid show that smart people love. Find it on iTunes. Or MaximumFun.org. Hey, I'm Barbara Gray. I'm Brandy Posey. And I'm Tess Barker. Together, we make up the Max Fun podcast, Lady to Lady. Each week, we welcome a kick-ass lady guest. We talk about our lives, our dreams, and the terrible decisions we've made that still haunt us. Mm-hmm. We've had on great comedians like Aisha Tyler and Margaret Tro, plus screenwriters, doctors, authors, you know, anyone who's willing to be as open as we are. It's all a lot of fun. That's us, Lady to Lady. Can you keep a secret? Neither. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.